Yo, America, we talking to you. Yes, you are now listening to the sounds of Sports Reports is audit. We got Mr. Logical. We got two five. So you know it's live. Bars. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? We got the conference finals previews for you. Eastern Conference, Western Conference. The teams from the bubble are back. This is so confusing. Does low management work? Do the standings matter? I just don't know. And then we got some jobs open in the NBA. We got Toronto, Detroit, Milwaukee, and Phoenix? And Phoenix. Okay. Houston got filled. Ime Udoka down there. Then we're going to talk to you all about some MVP races. Like, what is the MVP in the NFL? What does it take for another player besides a quarterback to win it? I mean, I think about it. I'm like, could Ray Lewis have won one? Could J.J. Watt have won one? Aaron Donald? Somebody. And then, of course, we ain't going to leave you without getting the stuff off our chest. So, Mr. Logical, what's the word? Yo, how about these playoffs, though? How how wrong were we? Man, I'm I'm saying we, because I'm talking about everybody that predicted the fine, everybody predicted the, the course of the playoffs was wrong. I don't know about the course of the playoffs, but I told everybody on these airwaves, Denver and Boston. Yeah, I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. But listen, I I just knew that the Lakers were going to lose to Memphis. And then I was reluctant when they started playing in the Golden State LA series. Well, you know, there was one thing about the playoffs that I knew 100% that I would have put a million dollars on if I had it. That the Knicks wasn't making the conference finals. Listen, man, Julius Randle doesn't go four for 97. (laughs) I mean, sometimes it's just like, I know this is such a cliche thing to say. It's a make or miss league. You know, some days it's not your day. All all the cliches can apply. You know, sometimes the best team wins, blah, blah, blah. blah. All the cliches can apply. Um, But, I mean, starting off with the Western Conference, it's been exciting. It's been way more exciting the Sacramento Golden State series, I would have done the best out of nine out of that. No problem. I would have watched all nine games. Um, I really like what Denver's doing. It looks it's fluid, man. It's like water, the way they play. It's like they don't play like we'll talk about the East, but sometimes you can watch like Boston or even Philly, you know, not to get too in the weeds because we get to East Conference. But like Philly, it had a stat that popped up in game seven. Where they hadn't had a field goal in like four minutes and 50 seconds. And it always blows my mind with sports, especially in basketball. You got guys that are six, 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 seven, six, ten. I mean, the rim's 10 feet. And they got a nine foot guy. I mean, you can't tell me y'all can't get like to the hoop and get a layup. You can't get a foul. Like, how do you go four or five minutes without getting a point? It's just just weird to me. Um, But like I said, the way way Denver plays Mm -hmm. was fluid. They just they just suffocated Booker and KD in Game Six, and maybe on another night, you know, and these shots go in. Because sometimes 
that's all the good defense in the world, but these guys are the best best at this sport. So some of those shots are going to fall. I just think sometimes when the shots don't fall, you have to find a way to get easy shot. Mining. It's, it's just, what? as a concept, I understand basketball is, you know, moving without the ball, getting open. And I get that it's easier said than done. But these guys are the creme de la creme of the people who mm-hmm. do it. So how is it that you can't get a shot off? You know, you know what happened to Devin Booker? He came back to the mean. I say this all the time. Like, I know a lot of people are going to say a word like choke or, you know, they gave it up or whatever. Like, we talked about this with Steph a couple years ago where, you know, he was shooting something like 71% at some point during the playoffs. So when he got to the finals and he was shooting like 45%, it didn't look the same. People said he choked. Like, no, he didn't choke. He just went back to average. And that's what Devin Booker did. He had a game in that series where – he shot like 79% or it was like two games in a row where he shot like a, 79%. Yeah, the two games they won, the two games they won at home, mm-hmm. it was like 78.9%. Yeah. He but just he came back took, to earth. He only took like he took like 16 shots one game. I think he went like 13 for 16 one game and then he went like 11 for 14 another game. Um but yeah, it's pretty incredible for especially for a jump shooter. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing is like sometimes you might have to just simplify and just be like, yo, just call a just call just the pick and roll or just take the screen up top and just pull up from 18 feet. Like Kevin Durant, just don't overdo it. Get the dribble, pull up from 18 feet. Uh, another guy went cold, and it's not going to be all negative, but Clay. Clay was like, it was one play. LeBron ran out, top of the key. Everybody loves the top of the key shot. If me and you were playing pickup basketball, the top of the key shot feels like a long free throw. I think mm-hmm. people are probably the most confident from that spot. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't want to say, yo, we'll give you $50,000 if you make it from a corner, but we'll give you twenty five to shoot it from the top of the key. People are like, you know what? I'm going to go to the top of the key. Yeah, let me get and this he stat. Ran, he, yeah, go he ahead. ran out to defend them, and then he ran out to ran out to Steph and let Clay shoot it wide open. It's like, yeah, so this was bad. He was shooting like a, he was shooting like his, he had something wrong with his hand. So, like, so it, his shots didn't look good. So in game six, Clay and Steph combined for 14 for 47 from the field, and Steph hit 11 of those. And then, and then from three combined, they went six for 26. You know, so so if you were one of those people that think that Steph isn't here for the moment or whatever, or like all that other stuff, then game six was like you beating your chest about it, you know, and you forgot about. The 50 point game against Sacramento like two weeks earlier. Yeah, and like how he was basically <laughs> averaging like 30 in the other games, but he was he was it. It was it was the same. It's the same conversation we have about the 2016 finals. Like if Harrison Barnes shoots 40 percent, or if he shoots 35 percent in that game, <laughs> they win. And I think Cleveland, I think it's a whole different story. I think Durant doesn't go there. I mean, like, if he if he went three for ten, I think he probably went like two for twelve or so. It was and he was missing wide open. I think there was a two for twelve, actually. Yeah. It was something crazy like that. So uh, but think I mean the Lakers. Yeah, enough about the losers. (laughs) The Lakers. I think I think the pundits, so where everyone's talking about it is like, oh, well, you got two of the best players. It's like, nah. I think that what they're doing, 
is they know that AD is going to attract attention, but not that much. I think I think his his the attention that he attracts on the offensive end from defense is not that much because you don't have to play him special. Mm-hmm. Like Embiid, you know, we'll talk about that, but Boston's running two guys at Embiid every time. You don't have to run two guys at AD. AD's either going to be hot or he's going to be kind of off, but he's still going to be a good defender. He's going to rebound. He'll get put back dunks. You know, he'll get you 18 to 22 points. On an off night, he'll get you 17 to 19 points. But he's still going to get you 11 rebounds, two or three blocks, maybe four blocks, a couple of assists. And if everybody else just does their part, because I think the other, I think the role players are more dangerous because I think when they, they're bringing these ball, the ball up, D'Angelo Russell, Lonnie Walker, Austin Reeves, Schroeder, they're calling their own number. That Darvin Ham is calling out a play, and I think the, those plays are Reeves and Shooter in the pick and roll, or LeBron comes sets the screen rolls and just gives them opportunity. Like I think they have, they all have green lights. Yeah, Reeves be waving LeBron off. They be waving them off. They be waving the screens <laughs> off. D'Angelo Russell. Anytime he has Steph, if he got the ball, you know, rebound or whatever, he gets the ball on the left wing. And Steph out there, mm-hmm. they just—it's like they all knew just to shift and play like somewhat of an ISO. Like the Lakers' offense would just come to the opposite side, the weak side. They all would just come across, mm-hmm. and then he would turn and back Steph down, and he's left-handed, so he turned baseline, and he put the shot up. Or because he was backing him down so much, he could stop and pull up on him. I never saw anybody get yanked out of the game. Jordan Poole, I saw him get he was getting yanked out of the game because you could tell you can tell when the guy gets pulled for rest or strategy versus get him out of there. Yeah, I think it was game got, four. He only played like 10 minutes. When he got that foul, he got a foul on LeBron. And I and Mark Jackson was like, that's just bad defense. You now he talks, he was like, that's just bad defense. He was literally LeBron had the ball like the right, like the right elbow. And he turned and he put like a, I think he was pivoting off his left foot and faced up Jordan Poole. And Jordan Poole got like got into LeBron. I'm like, yo, he's he got you by like 70 pounds. What are you doing? <laughs> and then he wasn't he wasn't sitting in the chair. He just was like standing up. Like he was holding a picket sign. Like he was up like this. So LeBron just like ripped through and got the dribble with his right hand. And Jordan Poole, because he was standing straight up, tripped him. Mm-hmm. And it was like when he tripped him, his face is, is like his head wasn't looking to where the ball was. So by the time LeBron got by him, he was up like this. He tripped him with his left leg, and LeBron fell, and that was and that was Jordan Poole's fourth foul. So all everything you're like, yo, you got three fouls. I think they're early in the third. I don't know, maybe it might have been like a 10-point game, maybe 11, nothing crazy. But you commit a dumb foul. Defensively, it just was a bad move. Like, why are you pressing LeBron? Let him shoot. Just stick your hand out. Wait for the help. Let him shoot. But he was like, he was pressing him. I'm like, yeah. Soon And as soon as the, the foul got called, and I seen, like, because the camera angle, you can see somebody's head pop up off the Golden State bench. I'm like, Jordan Poole coming out. And then next thing you know, he was coming out the game. So he was getting yanked out of the game. I think the mm-hmm. the Laker players are just coming out. Like, all right, cool. Schroeder, sit down. We're going to put Reeves in for a little bit. Uh, Vanderbilt didn't get a lot of run. I think they were probably good with the Lonnie Walker, uh, 
defense and a little bit of offense he was providing. Well, yeah, we'll have to see if Lonnie Walker can keep it up. Um, <clears throat> so I was wondering if at during portions of this series, because last series I wanted to see Vanderbilt guard Steph, you know, but this time I wonder if you could slide Vanderbilt on Joker every so often, like when Anthony's getting a rest maybe or just slide, you know, something else is going on. Maybe he's got a little foul trouble you could put Vanderbilt there. But if I was Denver, I was thinking about this, you know, if I was Denver, everybody keeps talking about how bad of a matchup the Lakers are for them. But I think if I was Denver, I would rather play the Lakers than the Warriors, you know, because the Warriors pretty much are Denver, but on steroids, you know, no. and, and, with, and with better shooters, you know. Yeah, I, you, um, said, you said Denver is the Warriors? Yeah, if, oh. I, if, I, if I was Denver, I would rather play the Warriors. than I mean, I would rather play the Lakers than the Warriors. How, but I don't I don't what match what matchup is because I think where Denver has an advantage is one they've been together all year mm-hmm. defensively you could put Gordon on LeBron mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or even uh Michael Carter or his name Michael is Porter Keith? Michael yeah. Porter mm-hmm. I was thinking Kevin Porter you could put him on LeBron. You could probably even put him on AD. You could put Bruce Brown on LeBron. You know, I I think you could just you could you could put a lot of different you could move a lot of different players mm-hmm. onto the Lakers' best two stars. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much energy you want AD to exert trying to guard Jokic. So somebody else has to take that assignment. Like you might have to just sacrifice and put a six seven guy on Jokic, and and you also have the Chris Paul rule. You know what I mean? You can't let Jokic be the facilitator. You can't let him be the conductor. You know what I mean? But like, remember the game against Phoenix, fifty three points. You know he only had four assists that game, and it was an L. You know what I mean? So the Lakers, I think, have to be they have to get the ball out of Jokic's hand more than anything. You want him looking to score or having to score. I would let him keep it. I, I say I would just stay. Glued I just think he gets to... everybody. It's 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 just like LeBron. All those you know, all those years in Cleveland. You know, like you knew LeBron could get thirty five on you or forty on you if he needed to. You didn't want Mo Williams to get nineteen or J.R. Smith to have eighteen or you know whoever else. So I think that's I think it's the same thing. Yeah, but if you take away, see when LeBron was getting those points, he was trying to get those guys involved. But in the finals against Golden State, their first go around when they were up two one and they lost, they had lost Kyrie. He shot like under forty percent because he had to be the man. Mm-hmm. So he had, I think he one game he was like a twelve for thirty nine and thirteen for thirty seven, just like crazy, like AI numbers. So <laughs> like just shooting a lot, like a volume, a volume shot game, like a Kobe game. I mean, sometimes you can win that way, sometimes you can't. But if you haven't played that way all year, it can be difficult. So mm-hmm. I say you stay glued to Jokic, you you throw your athletes at him, Lonnie Walker, Vanderbilt, uh, Rui. You just stole your 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 athletic six eight guys at him, and then stay glued to everybody else. Well, because he well, he makes a lot of those backdoor cut passes where everyone's mm-hmm. trying to you trying to run the double team. You can't double team him. He's seven feet tall. He can handle the ball. He shoots off wrong feet. He's awkward. He's long. He's smart. He's patient. Don't even double team him. Just yeah, so, play him straight up and stick to everybody else. So I want to know if Jamal Murray can travel because in the Phoenix series, for example, 
he was a monster at home. You know, when they went to Phoenix, eh, I ain't going to say, you know, he wasn't to be found, but it just wasn't the same. You know, so that's going to be a key to this series. And I think Porter is going to be the other key. Is he going to be consistent enough to keep the Lakers defense honest? You know, that's going to be the other part. So, and another thing that I like, of course, is the contrast because Denver is number one in the playoffs and points per 100 possessions and the Lakers are number one defense per 100 possessions. So something's got to give, you know, like something rubber has to meet the road. <laughs> I think, I think the defense travels. Mm-hmm, mainly definitely. because it's anchored by AD. So if mm-hmm. he doesn't have to exhaust himself guarding Jokic, then he can just be around the rim, getting rebounds. I think the first quarter of the game six, he had like 10, re- 10 or 11 rebounds. Mm-hmm. You know, he was, he was close to double digits at least in the first quarter. Right. So I like, I like that matchup. I think this... I'm not sure if Memphis Denver would have been a better matchup because as as you think you know like okay what would the NBA rather have Memphis and Denver right now is that exciting uh Sacramento Denver that people want Phoenix to get through I Phoenix I watching that game six I just was like I don't, I don't, I, I don't know if it's a Denver defense. I don't know if it just tightened the squeeze now. But everyone's like, oh well, they're they're down two stars. I'm like, yeah, but they're also up two very, very, very good stars mm-hmm. are playing. If, it's not like they were down KD and Booker and had Aiton and Paul. It was like you're down Paul and Aiton, and Aiton hadn't wanted to be there since the last, you know. Right, and Landell was chunk biting into his minutes anyway, you know. And um, so like I don't know if it were up to me, if it were up to just me. And I've brought this up plenty of times. Like, I would have took Golden State Phoenix just for the, you know, Durant, Steph, you know, um, the revenge because the Warriors won a title since he left. Man, that's what I that's what I would have. So sick of that though. That's what because I would have wanted. It's like the it's like that. Uh, was it that? It's a song that never ends. <laughs> because the conversation is always going to be, well, LeBron would have won three in a row if KD didn't go to Golden State. And then it was like Steph needed KD to save his legacy, and then the Nates, the people who they say is a KD, like oh KD had to go to go to state to get two rings, as and as then, opposed to as, and, as then as it's, <laughs> and then it's oh well, uh, Steph is three and one in the finals versus LeBron, so everybody uses that information for so many different arguments, and it's all they're all facts, but it doesn't really prove it doesn't, it. It, there's no context there. You know, there's what no mean? context. There's no resolution but, but, to it. So just literally, just me. Using I'd rather the hear that. I'd rather hear that, as opposed to ninety-eight percent of the conversation being about LeBron and, you know, what I mean, like when when people are talking about this Western Conference Finals, it's all about him getting to the final at in year twenty and age thirty-eight. There, nobody cares about the Nuggets. But that, but at least that, at least that's a tangible. No, like, that's argument. that's that's a Raph wants it, to hear that because no, Raph's a LeBron yo, fan. <laughs> I mean, listen, they'll beat that horse to death. They'll beat that horse to death, no doubt. They're, every 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 conference, every matchup is gonna have some kind of story, but at least this one will have an answer. The KD Steph LeBron thing will never have an answer because you can always use you can always use it's like it's like rock paper scissors. Is this kind of, there's no there's no dominant piece to it. It's like this rock will beat paper scissors and this paper <laughs> will beat the rock, and it's it it'll keep going on and on and on. 
Mm-hmm. Whereas if LeBron and the Lakers don't make it to the, to the finals, the conversation is Jokic has shown why he should have been MVP, and that's like a that's a different kind nope, of because conversation. No, because as soon as the Lakers lose the game that eliminates them, the conversation is going to be, "What does Palinka do now?" You know, <laughs> of, of course that's that's going to happen, but at least it does give an end. It gives an end to that conversation. And nothing's hypothetical, right? Where it's like we're not having this this circular this, and this is why you and I don't have like debate conversations. Like I heard something. We're not gonna get on it, but I just I heard it was like uh, something today. I think I might have sent it to you. It's like I'm not. Some guy was saying I don't think you could put Kevin Durant top twenty all time. And then I another don't. guy chimed in and he said, "No matter where you put Kevin Durant, he has to be behind Dwayne Wade." It's like I'm not sure, and I was just like, I know people love to have these barbershop like arguments. We don't do it on this podcast because, like I said, there's no resolution. It's just me. Well, that, but, one but I mean, that is interesting. That is interesting. It's an interesting I conversation. I, I ain't yeah. gonna go there. I ain't gonna go there. But like, yeah, like people said that Durant was like top 15 or something, and you know, I, I wasn't even. I'm not even sure he's top 30 to be honest with you. I mean, like, yeah, if you're just looking. I mean, we gonna get into it. But if you're, yeah. if you're just if you're just looking at the seven foot and what he can do, then yeah, he's a mutant. And you want to put him in those conversations, but the results just don't bear that out. But anyway, so who you got in this? And that, sh- and that shows. Uh, <laughs> I picked. I picked the Lakers last series. I'm gonna. I'm gonna just. I'm gonna ride with it because I, like I said, I like Jokic. I like what Denver's doing. I like their continuity. Mm-hmm. But watching what the Lakers do defensively, and what Darvin Ham's moves are. And his temperament, I think it was what game was like game two against the in the second round against Golden State. And it was like something like 15 and 0 when a home team loses the first game, they win game two. And it was a shot like a like LeBron James turned and looked at Darvin Ham. It was like a slow motion. And he kind of smiled and shrugged his shoulders. And I think Golden State probably was up like 12 or 14 at this point. Like Mm -hmm. it was late, but it was like one of those like, hey. They got us this time. And you could just tell it's like a calming temperament to where he I think he gives them a simple game plan. It's not rushed. And I think everybody plays their role. It's just sometimes it's, the shots just got to fall. Like Austin Reed shoots a lot of floaters that kind of bang around. And in the games they lose, they just don't drop. Shooter's the same way. Shooter gets a lot of open looks because the way they move the ball, sometimes they fall. D'Angelo Russell just comes out like, I'm going to fire this thing off. And sometimes they fall, sometimes they don't. But I still think defensively they get back. Um, transition defense are not good because, you know, they're not a fast team and they play big dudes. So they have to, you know, be a little bit more crafty. Mm-hmm. They have to defend at 92 feet, let people get back, and then drop back. So I think uh, going with the fact that I think a good defensive team can neutralize at least one of the two mm-hmm. top players. So defensively, I think they can hold Murray to regular numbers, 20 points, you know, maybe a bad shooter percentage. You know, he goes, you know, eight for 21 games like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe gets a few couple of free throws. If they can do, if they can get, if they can defend one of those guys properly between Jokic and Murray, I give them a shot. So I'll, I'll take the Lakers. All right, so I mean, and I'm gonna be a coward and say Lakers in seven. So obviously, a few minutes ago, I told America 
that I, I was probably, I don't know, I'm going to say I was one of the few people. I'm going to just say that, whether it's true or not. I was one of the few people that picked Denver and Boston in the finals <laughs> against one another. So, you know, so, of course, I'm going to stay with Denver. Um, I'm going to be a coward, too, and pick seven. Yeah. Um, so so what I like about this, you know, both of these teams haven't lost a playoff game yet. So, you, I mean, at home. So, you oh. know, so, so so the whole thing about the series doesn't start until the road team wins. That may actually be true in this series and not just a cliche. So, you know, whoever gets that first road win is probably going to control the series, you know, so that's going to be first and foremost. You know, um, how many game six performances does LeBron still have left in him? You know, um, I know he's been pacing himself, you know, but can he just turn it on if necessary and when necessary, you know, at any time? Um, like, so. is, like, is it, is it a, is it a, Hey, we need this game. So I'm going to come out in this game and go bang, bang, bang. Or is it, Hey, we're in this game. It's close. And now I need to impose myself, which like, can it be both? Is it one or the other? Um, so I think that's going to be important. And, and I just don't know. Um, I think that I was thinking about the bubble, you know, that series almost went seven, you know, Anthony Davis hit that three at the buzzer. That was game two. Yeah, in game two. So, so that's what I'm saying. Zero. Yeah, yeah, they, they won in six. So, so if he misses that shot, this series go, that series goes seven. So what? I, so what made me think about that was, you know, uh, Porter is has coming in, come into his own. I think Joker is better than he was at that point in time, and Murray is probably well. He's not going to re re kindle bubble Murray, but I think he's coming so he back to form. Man, is I know, bubble. I know, but he's Him. coming back. TJ Warren was a banana yep. in the bubbles. Yep. Tyler Hero was a banana in the bubbles. And they all hurt. It was, and <laughs> Butler was nuts in the bubbles. Yeah. Like, but LeBron still looked like a man amongst boys in the bubbles. Oh, a no, he did. I he saw, definitely did. It just it looked it looked like it looked like he was in a high school gym playing but, but, against a freshman at some yeah, point. Yeah, and, and that's my point. And that's my point. He doesn't you know, look like that. That, now, yeah. that was three years ago. And Denver was on the brink of taking them to seven. Now they added Bruce Brown you know, to, to bring that defender, Aaron Gordon, you know, could be that defender to give somebody trouble. So I think Denver is just a little more, they have a little more quality depth than they did in that series. And LeBron is three years older. So, you know, so that's basically where I'm going with this. Um, But I'm respecting LeBron enough to say that I just asked those questions about, can he turn it on? I think he can. So that's why I'm taking this to seven versus saying like Denver in five or something like that. Like yeah. I wouldn't be disrespectful to say that anyway. Excuse me. <clears throat> but yeah, like so you know. I like it. I like the uh I like the matchup. I like the way that the playoffs are heading. I didn't think I'd get a a one seven Western Conference Finals and then a a two eight West. Yeah, so is, so is that a good thing? Because I know we always talk about, um, or we used to argue about, how you come into most NBA seasons and there's two to three teams that are going to win the title, like regardless of what's going to happen. So I like this, and I don't know where load management, how that plays a role into this as well. I mean, obviously the Lakers got the trade at the deadline, you know, that added all these pieces where I told you they were going to make the play and then you said they weren't. But, you know. <laughs> it's it just, it, historically, it it didn't bode well. They started out two and ten. They never looked good. LeBron had just gotten hurt right after the trade. 
he played, he averaged like 35 points in the month of January and yeah. they still needed to trade after that to be relevant. It's like, I, just, I didn't think, I didn't think you can get, I didn't think you can get it with all the pieces they had from the beginning of the season to whatever pieces they brought in. I didn't think it would work. I think whole complete teams like Boston and Miami, I think that's, <laughs> I, that's why I think it's not a bad thing because Boston's a very complete team. Like, we talk about Tatum all the time and how if you were drawing an NBA player, this is how you would draw him. Six, eight, handle, shoot. Um, if you're going to so you, draw. So you remember the other day I was saying how Tatum reminds me of Paul George. I don't know if I ever seen Paul George have a game like that. He sh- And the thing about it, he should have. <laughs> At some point, sometimes just you, you might have to just stay put and – as collectively as, as a unit, like when he was in Indiana, I think Indiana gives up too quick. Mm-hmm. They're one of those teams that they'll have a couple of good years, 47 wins, make it to the second round of playoffs. It doesn't work. And they don't want to pay anybody to make all these trades. And then they essentially just start over. Well, didn't it's he like, want out though? But you, a start, a, a person wouldn't want out if the team looks like it can win. Like LeBron is probably like the only guy that left the contender when he left Miami to go back to Cleveland, but that mm-hmm. might have been a little bit more of a I have unfinished business. But yeah, and then James Harden wants to go back to Houston. Rumor has it we'll get into that, but that might just be he might just really love Houston that much. But for the most part, I don't think Joel Embiid is leaving Philly uh, to go play in Orlando. You know, I think most guys just would want to stay with the competitors. They just probably want to get a new coach. They want to get a new GM. They want to get a new, a new sidekick, whatever the case may be. But yeah, so they would have been they would have been good in the East. I think Paul George would have been one of those guys that kept his team rel- you know relevant and, and kept moving the way that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are able to do. I don't know what happened with Philly and 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 Harden and Embiid. <laughs> Yeah, so so remember those uh, Steph and Clay numbers earlier? Yeah, let's so, hear these ones. Embiid and Harden combined nine for twenty-eight in Game Seven. Twenty-four points and nine turnovers, and he said, "Me and James can't win on our own." Like, and he no, the biggest, but he the biggest dude on the court. Yo, it's he might be he might be too big. I'm not saying like he's overweight or like he's. No, I got you. Especially for this era, maybe. Yeah. I think he might be too big for the grind, Mm -hmm. especially the way he likes to play. We talked about LeBron, you know, pacing himself. I literally watched the the Lakers series and the Memphis one. It's a lot of possessions where LeBron is basically. The Lakers are playing four on five defensively. And LeBron is pointing dudes, so he doesn't have to run. Mm-hmm. Like he'll he'll take like Dylan Brooks will run across in the Memphis series, and he's like this. He knows all right this set that they're in. The ball is not coming to him. You go back over there and guard <laughs> him. All right, like so. I think Embiid is one of those players that either I don't want to say low management, but you, I would not expect him to play into the month of May, probably ever. 
And I mean, he damn near size. he damn near missed twenty games already this year. I mean, some of that was low management versus yeah. injury, but you know what I mean. Like he still is already sitting out almost twenty games. Like he's one of the players that this rule about how many games you got to play to win awards. He's one of the people that I would think that's aimed at. Not that they were which, aiming at which, anybody. Which I don't like. I don't. I don't like that rule at all. I like it. I don't get, like your, it. get your ass on the court. You want to win an award, then be on the court to earn the award. Yeah, you know, like how many people wouldn't have won awards this year? That's fine. I don't care about that. LeBron, Dame, Steph, don't care, don't Kobe. care. None of them. They would don't care. Don't so, care. If you want to win an award, then play in the cool. games so, and you can so win the award. Julius Randle's MVP. I don't want to hear nothing. When Julius Randle is the MVP, I will say, Embiid, this is all your fault. Because <laughs> he'll play 65 games for Thibodeau and yeah. he's MVP or most improved player or something. Well, I mean, crazy. that I mean, he wouldn't win it over Jalen Brunson, but I'm just saying. But 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 no, I'm just saying, like, like if you want to win, if you want to win the awards. You gotta play. You know, if you want the fans' respect, you gotta play. It, it just comes with the territory. And then B was MVP, so I don't want to hear nothing about I can't win. You know, James, whatever. What like those other guys are playing well. Mm-hmm. It just when the the game was so game seven at half was it like fifty seven, fifty five, or yeah, it was like a close, 56, yeah, something like that, that. Thing changed in a hurry. So in the third quarter, when Tatum got hot, Philly came down and they were just jacking up threes because Tatum got hot. You keep pounding the paint and get your two points, maybe and one. Maybe you get one or two fouls on Jalen Brown. Maybe you get a foul on Horford. Stop shooting so many fadeaways when you're seven feet tall. Maybe try to up and under move. Yeah. Get him in the air. Get the foul. Like Have another one of your teammates. Have another one of your teammates grab, grab Jalen Brown's leg to get him a tech and get him out the game. I mean, do something. <laughs> yeah. Any anything you gotta do, but you can't go, you can't have all your smoke and and, and the fire for your teammates when you at the press box. Still in your jersey talking about, you know, it's a five on five game. It's like I'm getting sick. I'm getting sick of like how much he complains because that's one of my biggest pet peeves. I'll tell them, like, listen, don't complain about something you're involved in. That's like, like don't snitch when you part of the crime. Well, you know he witness the witness, <laughs> but if you part of the crime, don't be in there giving out information. You was in here. You wasn't. You was with me shooting in the gym. So don't go to the podium and try to make it seem like it's my fault when you have fifteen points and five turnovers. Just like he blamed Ben Simmons, you know, for not taking the shot against the Hawks, as if he didn't go four for twenty two games earlier than that. Score was like eighty, and they lost by three in the fourth. Yeah, and like, they lost maybe, by three. And he went four for twenty. More if you would are, if you would have scored a reason like your season average was like thirty for like the last three years, so that means in the playoffs you should be dropping like 30. 27, 28 at least. You shouldn't be down there shooting twenty three. And if you injure and you can't go, Just, then don't go. As I as I said on two five daily yesterday, he shoots forty percent in elimination games. That would be great if it was forty percent from three. He's seven two and shooting forty percent from the floor. He should be getting nothing but layups all day. His first, all ten, his first five to ten shots should be at the rim. And then I ain't got nothing to say about the Knicks, but, you know, um, so the Heat, right? Look, I am not a Miami Heat fan. I don't dislike them or anything, but, even you know, look, out of all four of these teams that are left in the playoffs, that would probably be the team I would want to see to win the title just because of the grit and the grind. Jimmy Butler, he's regular Joe. Like, 
you you relate to him. He's not a diva. He's not a crybaby or whatever. He just goes out there and puts his head down and gets the job done. You picked Tobias Harris over me? You thought yeah. he was better than me? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Jimmy Butler's like that, man. I think, And I think the team, I think he's polarizing. I think the team just, they just, they just feel, they just believe in him. And that's something some of these stars, no matter how much talent you have, and I'll get into this when I get off my chest later. Your talent is one thing. People are talented everywhere. There's a lot of talented people who no longer play the sport when they're at the age where they can still play it because people didn't believe in you. You didn't you didn't give people a reason to believe in you. I think Jimmy just gives people a reason to believe. When, they, when he was out for game two in, in New York with the ankle and he was on the sideline and they were losing, I think it was in the, like the waning minutes, like two or three minutes left. They had to they pan the Jimmy on the on the bench and he was standing up smiling. Like, yeah, y'all got one. Y'all got one because I wasn't on the floor. And I think his team wouldn't look at that as arrogance. They look at that as like, yo, this dude is this ready is to fact. ride for us. He wanted to play today. And Spo was like, listen, we'll just see what we got today. And that gave him so I don't know what the days of the week I think. It was like, I think they were playing back-to-back days, and then you had a travel day, and then get down to Miami. So it might have been like four days, three or four days from the time he got injured to when he had to play. I think it was like about four days. So like, listen, let's get you fully healed, and we'll take game three, and then we'll take game four, and then maybe we'll, we'll sprinkle, let him get game five, and then we'll, you know, we'll take him on game six. But you can tell his team, like, embodies that. Duncan Robinson, I don't know what his shooting percentage is, but he fires that thing off. You don't fire that off when you were a bench player. You were kind of relegated because you didn't play any defense and Tyler Hero gets hurt and you come in. You shoot that ball because the leader of the team on the floor being Jimmy Butler and then the leader of the bench, you got Haslam and then Spostra and then his staff. He always has a great staff of like gritty point guards. I think Karan Butler's on his staff. I see I see a lot of like faces. I think maybe I don't know if Nick Van Exel's on his staff. I've seen some faces behind him. I'm like, okay, he has like a he has a staff of like former players that they just they just they just work hard. And Duncan Robinson's like, okay, cool, I'm out there. And he's just firing off the three. You got Vincent shooting, Struce. I, I just like I like what Miami does. I just like the fact that they're out there like, yo. I'm a basketball player. I'm out here playing ball. Jimmy Butler's like, yeah, let's do it. Kyle Lowry, crafty. People don't realize Kyle Lowry and LeBron are like the same age. Like Chris Paul, Kyle Lowry, Mike Conley, all these dudes like 35, 36. Steph is going to – I think Steph's like 34, 35. But like Mike Conley, Mike Conley's like 36. You know, you got guys like Kyle Lowry. And you don't think about it because, I mean, first of all, he looks so young. He's like no facial hair. So – but, yeah, he's one of those old crafty dudes, Philly guy. You know, he always looked chubby. So, I mean, games yeah, I mean, you got Miami in. Then. Uh, well, I mean, with that being said, <laughs> I mean, I got to get a coaching nod to Miami. Mm-hmm. I got to give the, the, the star player, I want to call it a push between Tatum and Butler. But I'm gonna give Jalen Brown the the 
Robin, Batman, well, well, or Robin. Well, even well, even if Jimmy Butler outperforms Jason Tatum for a game, there's nobody to outperform Jalen Brown. There's no yeah, and and that's the thing. So you and then you you have you have Boston has their own gritty guy with the green hair, Marcus Smart. <laughs> You know, he plays he, – he probably plays just as tough and just as hard as, as Jimmy Butler. I think the two of them – I don't know if they – I don't know what their relationship is, but I, I guarantee you that if they were on the same team, shut it down. <laughs> you, you're not getting any – You nope, don't even, worry, don't even run the pick and roll because they're going to fight through it no matter what. They're going to rip your jersey. One of them is going to punch you in the ear. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, they have their scrappiness. So I got, I got Boston. I'll say Boston. I don't want to say in six um, – for some reason, I just I think it's just kind of like dismissive of Miami's tenacity and how they play. But I, I, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna say Boston in six. I'm gonna say Boston in six because of not disrespect, but I feel like there's one game that Missoula is going to lose, and I feel like there's a game that Boston is just going to bullshit around. You know, because Boston should have swept that ladder. There was no reason for them to lose to Atlanta. Then, you know, they, I think they went six at that. You know what I mean? And there was no reason for this Philly series, as good as Philly is, no disrespect to Philadelphia. But, but there was no way Philly should have won that game one without Embiid playing. And then, of course, Missoula lost the game with his timeout management. So he the lost timeout them management. Yeah, I'll give him yeah. that one. I think game one was a toss-up because Harden, Harden did play like – 2014 Harden though. No, he did, but I mean, but that's what your but he defense put everything. is for. But that's sometimes <laughs> like I think people talk about defense in the NBA, but it might be a tat. Like some days, it just might not matter. No, Yesterday I know, but you gotta. But it's the whole it's the whole Budenholzer thing. You know, Jimmy Butler was giving them the business, and he didn't do anything. He was just like ride it out, ride it out. He'll miss eventually. But yeah, yeah but he ain't had, missing. They had, but that's the thing. They had six in in that series. Games four and five, my Milwaukee had sixteen point leads in the fourth quarter, so it wasn't as if the 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 poor defense on Jimmy Butler was causing the lose. They had sixteen point leads in back to back games where they should have ended up. They should have been they should have been up three two in that series. Instead, they lost in five. Yeah, <laughs> excuse me. Well, well, I mean, but even when they had the sixteen point lead. You know, and I'm not going to sit up here and act like, hey, we got a 16 point lead. It can go away just like that. I mean, Jimmy Butler was still bringing it, though. So, you know, it wasn't as if, you know, your 16 point lead could have been a 24 point lead, you know, whatever the case may be. But point being, um, I think that as well as Horford plays against Giannis and Embiid, he should be able to bother Bam uh, somewhat, you know, where Bam is usually going to be that second guy to Jimmy Butler. That's going to be on the boards, potentially get you 16 to 18 points. He's that next scoring link. I think that Boston will be able to neutralize him to some degree. Like you were saying about Jamal Murray, he'll still score, but bad percentages. Gabe Vincent, Gabe Vincent, my guy, Team Nigeria beat Team USA last year. You know, you know, but, you know, are you ready for this moment? You know, uh, Marcus Smart is going to probably give him some issues or whatever the case may be to when they bring in Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry can be the difference maker with his veteran leadership. So what's your defensive matchup? So do you put Smart on Butler or do you put Smart on Vincent? Because I put I put Smart on Vincent and I put Jalen Brown on Butler to start out. 
because we know we don't you don't like it, but there's superstar calls, and there's also superstar no calls. I mm-hmm. uh, saw it in the uh, like I said, it was like the second quarter before Anthony Davis got his first foul in Game Six against Golden State. I'm like, I know he hit somebody. Yeah, <laughs> he had like right. 15 rebounds by that point. He right. had to push at least one one person, but he didn't get a foul call till late in the second. Uh, mm-hmm. Then you have, so yeah, you put Jalen Brown or Jimmy Butler. Which yeah, you can always switch it. You can switch it because when you switch it, because you can put Jalen Brown on Jimmy Butler and tell Tatum, go get me 12 points this quarter. Mm-hmm. He gets you 12. Jimmy's got to take a break. Because if mm-hmm. Jalen, if Tatum gets you twelve, Jimmy's gonna be like, "Yo, let me get Tatum in the second quarter." Suppose like, "All right, you got to sit down for a couple of minutes." He's like, "Nah, I'm mm-hmm. good." So then he'll put they'll put Butler on Tatum. They can yeah, get Brown. Could, yeah, because you could put Tatum on Butler too at points. Yeah. So then mm-hmm. I think you just do you just do what uh what the Lakers kind of did in the bubble where you just you let him fire off for his forty point triple double. But he's gonna be dead tired. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, I know, I know. This seems like my strategy every time, <laughs> but I've seen it be effective. People, you could do it against LeBron. You know, unless a guy's dropping fifty, more than likely, a guy dropping fifty in the NBA game, you're probably gonna win. Mm-hmm. If you're a good, if you're a good team and your best player scoring fifty, so Boston, your best player scoring fifty, you're gonna win. Go to say your best player scoring fifty. You know, Milwaukee, Giannis dropped 50 ahead of 50-point triple-double in the finals, game six against Phoenix. They won. But when your team is kind of – when you either evenly match or you're – like Jalen Brunson, I think he 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 gave them everything. I think he gave them like 40 points against Miami, and they still lost. Because some teams just – when your star is like the focal point, that means they normally take about 29 shots to get their 40 points. That's that's literally there's 29 possessions where nobody else is getting a shot off. Um, and if you don't if you don't come back with like eight or nine assists, you're not really getting people involved. So I think that's the matchup. And if Missoula can just keep don't stick to this philosophy, I gotta save my timeouts. You have to use them effectively as a difference. Like you can save all the money in the world, but if you don't invest it properly, then you just got money sitting in the bank. Yeah, it's cool to have it. But you could have invested it and it would serve you, you know, get you dividends, i.e. you call a timeout when you're down one after James Harden hits the three with 18 seconds left. You advance the ball. And you had another timeout after that. So you advance the ball and then you go four to two. And if you miss, you can get a foul, get them on the free throw line, whatever. Like you can extend the game. But being down one, and not having a play drawn up, but you have two timeouts. He can't do that in these Eastern Conference Finals because Spoh's not going to let Spoh's not going to let you off the hook. Yep. Spoh's Spoh's <clears throat> going to figure out if if Robert Williams can really guard Bam out of bio. He's going to test you physically. He's going to read that the the scouting report. He's going to read the the health report. Like real quick, is it fair that they had to put Wiggins' rib injury in the report? <laughs> Because I swear LeBron was like, a word? I know. First first four possessions. Mm-hmm. 
So let's, let's try him out. <laughs> man, he was hitting them so hard. Every time he hit him, he started. I think he started in the front row on the sideline. He was just banging them all the way in the hoop. Every time you hit him, you jump back, jump back, mm-hmm. jump back. So it was like, are they gonna read these reports and say, hey, let's test Robert Williams' knee? Is it really is it really locked in? Let's make a move side to side. Hey, bam. When you in the paint, come out here, shoot the jumper. Come back this way. Make them turn. Whatever you, whatever they have to do. So I think Spo is such such a great coach because we talk about LeBron not having great coaches throughout his career. Spo's been Spo's the only coach that LeBron has had that got into the finals without LeBron being on the team, and he's on the verge of doing it again. It wouldn't shock anybody if Miami won the series. No, it wouldn't. It, it wouldn't yeah. shock me at least. And 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 you know, and this is why because you know. <laughs> My favorite thing about sports is the rivalry. So, of course, you know, these teams met in the Eastern Conference Finals in the bubble. And then, of course, they met in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. So, of course, Miami won round one. Boston won last year. Jimmy Butler in game seven had a chance to take the lead with about 17 seconds left. Missed it. Boston went on to the finals, you know. So, this is what it's all about. These are two teams that have been here. Now, granted, different coaches and everything for Boston at the time. But, you know, but these are teams that are used to being here. No, Neither team is going to shock the other one. You know, I think they know each other pretty well. So I think we're just going to buckle up and have a great series on our hands. I think it's, How I think it, is Miami an eight seed? Because they couldn't score. <laughs> they couldn't score during the regular season. I don't know what happened. You know, in the first round against Milwaukee, they shot – um, what was it? Um, hold on, let me go get it. They shot 52% from the floor against Milwaukee in the first round and shot 45 from three. But then we yeah, saw bananas. but then we saw the we saw <laughs> the regular season Miami against the Knicks because it dropped down to 43% and then 31 from three. But the Knicks just didn't have that Giannis type player that was going to grab it. You know, Jalen Brunson can only do so much even when he's scoring. You know, like you mentioned, it's taking it out of everybody else's hands. So, you know, what you needed was somebody the like Knicks Julius need, Randle to play like an all-star. They need it, yeah. They I was it's certain like you know, I watch a lot of sports. There's certain players and certain plays, being a Falcons fan, every third and seven with Drew Brees, when he dropped back and he had what I felt like was too long. I'm like, this is a first down. Susie let the ball go mm-hmm. every time. In my head, Drew Brees converted 100% of third down passes, <laughs> third and seven or longer, because that's what it felt like. When Clay Thompson shoots the ball, like you can feel everybody in the gym just kind of, <gasps> mm-hmm. and then it doesn't go in. Same thing with, with, with Steph. When these Knicks players were shooting the ball, I just was, I thought every single one, every time, every time it felt like it looked like a bad shot. I think the Knicks are a victim of the era. Like, I don't want to oversimplify it, but, you know, I always talk about how everybody tries to out Golden State, Golden State. The Knicks just don't – they don't seem like they play to their strengths. You know, like they shoot – I think they shoot too – like the way you were talking about Embiid, I feel like the Knicks shoot too many threes, and they shoot too many contested wild threes that only too, the Warriors should take. Too many players shoot too many Yeah, threes. too many See, players. Like, R.J. Barrett like, should never shoot a three. It's like I get, like you said, in the game six, Steph and Clay went six for 26 from three. That's mm-hmm. a lot of threes for two people, but it's those two. Mm-hmm. 
Obi Toppin, RJ Barrett, Grimes. You got Randall shooting like eight or nine. Randall shooting threes. It's like some of y'all can pump fake and take two more dribbles and get into the paint and maybe mm-hmm. shoot a floater or just take it to the rim because now it's four on five. Yeah, and then and then uh then you had Miami playing the Harrison Barnes defense on Josh Hart, which made no sense to me. I thought he was a shooter. Like on top of that, it's like you're an NBA player, and you know, and I think that's coaching. Coaches like listen, if they're gonna leave you open, mm-hmm. take a dribble, mm-hmm. take a breath, take your shot. But he will look nervous, and I think Jalen Brunson was trying to get him the ball on that play, but. It's like he didn't have faith. Like he came around on the right side and he stopped and he made like a fake with his right shoulder. Like he did this. I thought he was going to turn and bounce it out to, to Hart because the guy defending Hart came off a of heart and chased Brunson to the baseline. So I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, that's an easy pass out on top of the fact I didn't like that the, the flagrant two call that got them two free throws and the right. ball. Like, come on, referees. Right. Like, he was trying to swim by, uh, but the dude that was defending Hart came off, and I thought that Jalen Brunson was going to turn with his left hand, turn with his right shoulder, and bounce the ball back to Hart, and Hart was wide open for the three, but he faked it, and they didn't go for it because they were not trying to get back out to Hart. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's little things like that. Well, I mean, you, know, you got to – I guess like you got to play – Coaches get fired for and – yeah, you got to play percentages, I guess, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So they can kill you at some point, but if they're not making it, they're not making it. But, you know, so I don't know. Like, you know, these coaches, you know, Doc Rivers going to have a job by the end of the week? Nah, man. Doc no? Rivers might be fired by the end of this podcast. Man, he been, he been living off of 2008 for a long time. I don't think he's a bad coach. I simply don't think he's a bad coach. Um, granted, this this is not an opening yet, but it it just seems like the situation where it's a likelihood that he's going to get you know replaced. Six and ten in game sevens, just, never won a road bought, game. <laughs> yeah, the owner just bought the Commanders. Uh, you know, he's a businessman, and it's like at the end of the day, maybe he can look at the fact that yeah, okay, Philly sells out every home game. They're in the playoffs every year. I looked at some of those ticket prices: twelve hundred dollars. so like just random seats throughout the stadium. I mean, throughout the arena. So in that regard, I'm pretty sure he's he's making dough. But it might be a situation where you can't run it back with this group because unlike Boston and in these years that they've been like getting to the ceiling of the East Conference Finals and last year they finally broke through, you can see every year that they were in the playoffs that the potential for them to break through was not just lip service. It was like, okay, they're going to get through. We just need a new voice. So like, okay, Brad, you might not be the voice. We got the talent. We're not going to move a lot of players, but you might not be the voice. Let's get another guy in here. And maybe Doka comes in, they go to NBA finals. And now they're on the verge of doing it again with the same cast and crew. I don't think you could bring in, just simply bring in another coach to Philly and get that same kind of, you might have to make a few moves in Philly. So I figure you make all of them. You make all the moves you can make to include getting rid of Doc. I'm not like I'm not advocating for man loses job, but if, I would like if, to for see, the sake of conversation, Doc and some other players. And, and maybe maybe this is the Baltimorean in me, but I would like to see Sam Cassell get the job. 
you know, he's been there for a little bit, but maybe you want a different culture from what Doc had. So, you know, maybe Cassell's not an option there. So maybe you want to go outside. You know, you don't want to stay within that same, I guess, family of coaches. So you might want to go outside. Um, if Harden leaves, then that bring, that makes the next coach, I guess, a little more vital because you were talking about, yeah, Embiid's not going to leave Philly and go to Orlando, but two years from now, you know, new coach, no Harden. I don't know what Embiid might do or might say or, you know, whatever the case may be. Like, because at that point, he's going to be 10, 11, 12 years in the league and no finals or anything. So, you know, you never know. It might It might be time. It might be time. We talked about the Philadelphia trusted process uh, theorem that they had going for four or mm -hmm. five years. It might be time to strip that all down to include Embiid and move him. I'm on board with that. You know, um, I know many Philadelphia fans <laughs> are probably tuning out right now or whatever, but you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, I think that because if Harden leaves, Harden's and gone. It's especially, especially when you Harden's know, gone because Harden's gonna want fifty million dollars. Did you see fifty million dollars? You're a new owner. No, you, you just showed up, and the dude that you just saw the other day play basketball walks into your office with his agent, or his agent sends a message saying, "Hey, I want my guy wants three years, fifty million each." Yeah. So Harden's gone. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, with that being said, you know what I mean? Unless unless you believe, you know, and I think he's talented, but I don't know how good and how further Maxi is going to go, you know? So he's not – I don't think he's going to be the second banana to Embiid that's going to lead you to a championship, you know? And, you and know. It, no, I don't know. And, but, yeah. what I, but what I do know – that's just my thought. But what I do know is that Embiid went out here and said, me and James need more help or whatever the case may be. So, you know, from that standpoint, you know, I, I, I just think there's nowhere to go from here, you know, because they can be helpful together in Houston. So I package James Harden and <laughs> to Houston and whatever I can get back. If I can get you would probably lose your core, job for that. You would probably lose your job for that. No, I wouldn't. You know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't at all because well, I'm saving myself because, first of all, no one's paying James Harden. I wouldn't pay James Harden $15 million for the way he performs because, like we talked about this when we did our contract episode, these NBA contracts are perfect for the player. They're terrible for the team. First of all, they're all guaranteed. Fully guaranteed. Mm -hmm. And they get them in these year blocks. So it's like, oh, you've been in this many years. You can get this kind of contract. So you get a $200 million contract. Well, you'll get $30 million you get a $200 million contract when you turn 27, mm -hmm. and it's for five years. So you'll get $27 million when you're 27. You get $28 million when you're 28. You get $29 million when you're 29. And then you're 30 and old, and that's when you get two back-to-back -back years <laughs> of $45 million each. Look at, look, at right. Chris Paul, look at Chris Paul and Dame right now. Chris Paul, Dame, Russell, all these John Wall. Games. John Wall, John Wall made $90 million. He did less work than I do, and I work in a cubicle. <laughs> and he's probably got like $90 million over the last two years because of the way their contracts are written up. So, like, if James would have won $50 million, that means right now James is, what, 32, 33? I think 32, yeah. So you're going to pay him. So he wants three years, hypothetically, three years, $50 million each. 
well, you're going to pay him like 40, 40, and then what, 65 <laughs> on the back end? Or are you going to pay him 45, 45, and then 65? Either way, you're paying him $65 million when he's 36. Yeah. Like, who's I, doing that? Who's signing <laughs> up for that? I'm not signing up for that. Like, I'm not signing you? up for that. But you um, got loyal fans that you're going to sell. You're selling out 41 home games in Philly off the rip. You make an Eastern Conference fine. 20 teams make the playoffs. So you, you know, to include the play in. So you still have that. So as a businessman, I'm like, I'd rather run it <coughs> with some young dudes. So if I send Embiid and Harden to Houston and they give me their young core back, or 75% of their young core, give me Jalen Green, give me Porter, um, give me the old boy, uh, what's the one the kid named? His dad played in the NBA, played for the uh the King. <laughs> oh, no, not, no, not Kenya Martin. Um, I don't even know. But I forgot we, what his name is. Yeah, but yeah. he's a junior. Mm-hmm. Give me those three guys back and we'll run it back. Because if you think about it, you got M.A. Doka, he took that job. We still got the Milwaukee job that's open. Mm-hmm. Phoenix is now open. Mm-hmm. And I heard that... We're projecting, uh, we're projecting Philly to be open. And Toronto. Toronto's still you open. Know, I, yeah, I heard that uh, through the grapevine that uh if doc rivers becomes available milwaukee may be interested in there in that which i don't see why like if i if if i was going to get a coach like doc rivers like i feel like so i think the thought is get doc some veterans get him some stars and he's won a championship before and he can mold this thing into a championship i think that's the thought I think Doc's at that point where he just needs to teach some young dudes or something. If he's going to get another job, he needs to teach some young dudes because your championship days, you're through. You know, that ain't happening. I mean, I like I like the idea of not recycling coaches. Yeah, I like that too. But I, I feel that's, like he's going to get a job. To, he, he's, I mean, how many coaches in the NBA right now have won a championship? You know, you got Pop, you got Spo, you got um, Doc. Pop's still coaching? He ain't quit yet? No, he ain't quit yet. You said Pop, Spole, <laughs> Doc, Doc, and then who? Because Nick Nurse is gone now. Nick Nurse is gone. Budos is gone. Tib hasn't won one. Well, I guess Tyron Lue has won one. Yeah, Tyron Lue. Tyron Lue, and that might be it. Yeah, but that's the thing. Every coach doesn't win championships. No, I know that. But, what, very I, but what I'm saying it's is, very is tough that thing one, to do. No, I know that. But what I, what I'm saying is, once you have the one. People say this guy has been there before. He's won before. So they think that you can infuse something into their locker room that's going to put them over the top. It's a very tough uh, position to put a coach in. Like I said, if if I have some years left in my contract and they fire me, I'm going to just ride out and let them pay me on mm-hmm. the way out. I know the Warriors GM, he didn't get his contract renewed. Yeah, so he, he said he don't be- know what he's going to do. He doesn't know what he wants to do. I mean, Steve Kerr, maybe he says, you know what? My kids Yo. are getting older. Yo. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and call it a career because he only Kerr. wants to work with this dude. Steve Kerr looked like he just got done with that eight-year presidential term. <laughs> Remember Obama? Remember Obama got a lot of his hair with this color. That's what I'm saying. That's he what... left the office like this. That's what Kerr looked like right now. Like I was watching his uh, post game, you know, after game six, and I was just like, "That man is tired." 
it it's exhausting. It mm-hmm. I mean, we talk like we as fans and you and I here as part of the new media, it seems kind of flippant the way we, we talk about it, and, you know, and we read in our groups and you read the, the comments on the videos. It's like, man, it's a it's a grind. I know they're getting a lot of money and people mm-hmm. kind of ignoring that they're playing the game and they get a lot of money, but it's a grind. So as mm-hmm. if I'm a coach, if I've already coached like Doc Rivers, we'll use Doc as an example. I've already coached four teams, five teams. Do I really want to do this again? Right. And do he I was a coach to... and GM at the same time. Do I want to sit in these meetings with these, you know, these people when I'm telling them, hey, I need to get rid of this guy or I need to keep this guy? And they're like, mm-hmm. no, well, actually, he's like, do, do, do you want to do that? Like, how much joy are you getting? Is your joy and the money commiserate? Because Boonholzer literally lost his brother during the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, that's cool, but yeah, you got to slide. So it was like, imagine if he took time off. So, like, imagine if he took, like, this is why I tell, like, I tell people, like, listen, man, you got to take, at some point, you got to take care of yourself. I tell like, military people that all the time. I'm like, yo, I get it. I loved, I loved the Air Force. I did it for over 20 years, almost 22 years. But if you got a funeral to go to or a TDY, you go to the funeral. You mm-hmm. go tend to your family. You go you go to that. You, there's always going to be another TDY. You're not getting another grandma. You know, you're not getting another really close friend that's sick. Like, even like, oh, well, the emergency leave won't let me do it. Like, no, you got to take care of you. Like, the mm-hmm. Air Force will survive. Because if you decide to leave, they have a replacement for you. Mm-hmm. So, Boone knows, in my opinion, I'm like, yo, I'll, if he, imagine if he would have left to be with his family, you think they fire him after the series is over? Right. So it was like either he was already going to get fired because it wasn't the performance. Like I said, they had 16 point leads. If you fired him off the performance of those two blown games, then you already were going to fire him anyway. Mm-hmm. So as a coach, <clears throat> I'm not trying to get recycled. I think a lot of players, they're probably waiting for the draft, the uh, draft lottery tomorrow. A lot of coaches. And then most GMs are going to do the easy thing, which is take the best assistant from one of these four teams that well, are going to, that are in the, the conference finals. Well, you know, word on the street is, is that Milwaukee is going to interview Mark Jackson. Everybody interviews Mark Jackson. I'm going to interview <laughs> Mark Jackson for a job. And I'm not going to hire him either because everyone know, does it. And, uh, you know, um, I've heard Kevin Ollie's name because we didn't mention Detroit, but Detroit is open. You know, they got some young talent up there. Kate Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran, and you know, of course, they just picked up James Wiseman, so we'll they see what Wiseman, they can do with him. Yeah, you know, they, and I think they have cap money, like they have Kyrie cap money. Like, I know if you bring in Kyrie, but like that was one of the conversations at the beginning of the to year. To do like, what though? The, I'm not, not necessarily like for him <laughs> to go there, but like that kind of they have that kind of superstar yeah. cap money yeah. because they, they're not paying any of their young stars, but they often make mistakes with their cap money and, mm-hmm. and pay for the wrong dude. I hear a lot of talk about teams getting the coach and then trading for Damian Lillard. And I'm like, mm-hmm. listen, like that's that, that's not that's not really indicative of working. The best, I think, the best coaching opening. Um, like I said, we're just kind of guessing and uh, being prognosticators that Philly's going to be open. I think that's a good spot because even if you lose Harden. You can replace Harden by starting Maxi, 
mm-hmm. and find another guy you can bring off the bench. Which there's right. plenty of there's plenty <clears throat> of guys in the NBA that you can get a, a second guy off the bench to be your backup point guard. So um, so uh, did did Monty Williams did he struggle with fractions? Because he doesn't that? seem he doesn't seem to realize he's the common denominator between these thirty point beatdowns that they've gotten in elimination games. It's that's not a coach thing though. What is it? Because I mean, it's, it's not, a different team. Like the, the players are different. Yeah, but I, I'm pretty sure at some point Phoenix blew somebody out by 40 points this year too, and it's like you don't get any credit for it. Yeah, I don't want the playoffs. Was, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think it was a coaching thing. I think it just might be a situation where they were playing the number one seed. The number one seed is whole, and the number one seed has been the number one seed essentially throughout this entire season. They've had. They have a two-time MVP who was a leading MVP candidate until the media just went on this this attack Jokic splurge. Well, well, because well, they just fell for Embiid's tears. And they fell for the 45-point game he put on him in Philly, but then Embiid didn't go to Denver, and I was like, eh. But Denver's – that team was whole. Phoenix made the bad move of trading for Kevin Durant. I think mm-hmm. that's where they messed up mm-hmm. because – We've seen it. We've seen that movie before. We're about to see Fast and Furious 10 coming out this Y'all week. Y'all about to see that. I ain't going to see we that. We are going to see Fast and Furious 10 this <laughs> week because it is going to be chaos. But the reason it's going to be chaos is because we've seen it before. We know how ridiculous it is. If you have to give up that type of depth that they gave up to get Kevin Durant, they should have looked at it. They should have looked at the offer on a piece of paper. They should have written it down. Like, mm-hmm. not in an email. Like, just sat down like I do with my notepad. I'm a pen and ink guy. And sit down with these two these lines on the middle and go pros and cons. Can I get 30 points with Johnson and Mikael Bridges? If I can, I'm keeping them. Because I can take that 30 points, but now I got two defenders Six seven, I mean Mikael Bridges' arms are longest stop signs. I can get he has a he's probably the same length as Kevin Durant, but I can and he's younger. I can have him defend this guy. I can have Johnson defend that guy, and I can still get those thirty points. That's all that matters. Having the name, having a jersey for sale that says Durant is the only thing that Phoenix benefited from. Mm-hmm. So you tell the coach. All right, coach, we depleted your bench, but now you got to run this guy who's often injured. You got to run him 40 minutes. And then you have Devin Booker, who's often pulling a hamstring. He plays tough. He plays hard, but he's all often has a soft tissue injury. This is all right. Now do it. I don't think it's a good job. Like I, if I'm like, you're going to get, you're probably going to get some young coach. I think the new owner is in his thirties. I think he's an investment guy. He got some money through that aspect things like 32 or 33 one of the younger owners so you're going to end up getting you're going to get some young analytical coach who's already on one of these staffs or these final teams um like i said after the jeff lot of the sun's got uh what the sun's got uh never mind um yeah so then we got toronto out there you know but but let me finish up on phoenix for a second i I just i don't know what it is like i think phoenix is stuck because i don't even know what they think they're going to get for chris paul like they're all oh they're going to explore trading chris paul okay like what you going to get for it 
like is that going to be one of those five second round picks and you get so, a bunch of a bunch some, of free iPhones or iPads when you send them to China. Yeah, like like what are you going to get it. for him? And then Aiton, you know, his value has crashed not even because of play on the floor, but we know that that marriage was bound to end at some point. I know what you could get for Aiton. What what could you get for Aiton? You can get Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins. Mm. Mm. You can make that trade today, straight mm. up. I think I think the money matches. No, mm. I think Wiggins and Poole. I think it's a lot of money. So yeah, that's a lot of money because they both got one. Was well, Poole got like one forty or something, and yeah. Wiggins got like one twenty-one or something like that. So maybe you go Jordan Poole and. Kaminga, give my man some minutes. Give Kaminga some minutes. I make that call right now. So now mm-hmm. I got Looney and Aiton. Hell, I at that point I I'll even pay Draymond two years, thirty seven million. So then Clay got to go. <laughs> I I'll tell them both. Listen, sign two year deals for forty million. All right. And then and then you got Toronto. You know they got uh... Toronto's going to probably be in a rebuild. Yes, because uh, I think Fred Van Vliet is probably out, you know, and I thought of him as, as a Phoenix kind of player. Like, that could be the guy that goes to Phoenix and replaces Chris Paul. You know, they, Toronto still has Scotty Barnes. You know, I, I guess they believe he's the future and they could build around him. But what do you do with Siakam, you know, at that point? They, they are not going to come off from reports that I've read. They're not coming off of Gary Trent Jr., so you know, so yeah, I think it's going to be a rebuild, but not necessarily, yeah. not necessarily uh to the ground number one draft pick. We're tanking, you it, know, type it, rebuild. It might be though, because you don't you, you don't see a lot of free agents jumping out the window to go to Toronto. No, but I just think that's what Toronto, I hear is a great city. I think it's a, you know it's probably I'm not sure if it's, it's a good basketball move. I just think they have good. I think they have decent players because you know, like oh, I don't know what they're going to do with uh, Yaka Pertle, but. Exactly. You know. Like I think they're in such a they're they're probably in like a Philly Philadelphia type rebuild. Or like or they or they'll end up being like the Washington Wizards, where they're just kind of just stuck in this perpetual state of mediocrity because the you team won't, with no GM. <laughs> you just won't tear it down. Like some at some point you gotta be like, you know what, if you're gonna fire the coach. Because the team, because it's not like that he had a talented enough team to make a move, make a run. So you know the team isn't as talented as you need it to be. But mm-hmm. if you get rid of the coach, then what do you, where you go from there? Like you just think you're going to bring another coach and just get these guys to get to another level? Because more likely you're going to be like Houston when they had Silas and James Harden was probably was like, "Yo, this dude can't coach. I'm out." <laughs> I mean, some you can see it. Like you, you can like. I mean, we're 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 smart people. It's, if you're in the industry and you can tell, like I got a guy in my office that when I listen to him talk, I got a vibe that he's one of those smile on your face, stab you in the back kind of people, and he's also like a micromanager. Mm-hmm. So it's like I get that I get that vibe from him, and then I turn and talk to a guy. He was like, and he was like, I don't like that guy. I'm like, why? He's like, oh, he's one of these guys. I'm like, I got that same vibe. And mm-hmm. he's like, I've seen it happen because they work somewhere else together. He's like, I've seen him. I've seen how he operated in this place where we work together. And I'm like, so that's the vibe I got from him just on my own. And mm-hmm. I turned to someone. I'm like, oh, yeah. He, and he's like, oh, yeah, he's he, he's this kind of guy. I'm like, I got that same vibe. I think when a coach comes in, like Steve Nash never took had a shot in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. 
because I think Kyrie and Katie knew that he wasn't going to command the room. You know, M.A. Doka walks in the ball, so you can tell he commands the room. Some people just have it. Some people just have it to the point where you can turn anything around. Toronto's going to have to find that guy, tear it down, and then let him let him build it back up. I think, I think, so I think for Toronto, I thought about this. So for Detroit, I think I like Jerry Stackhouse for the job. Uh, for Toronto, I think I like Kenny Atkinson. You know, he was the guy that, take another shot. Yeah, he was the guy that, you know, had Brooklyn on a path of competing, even though they weren't that talented before Durant and Kyrie. Yeah, he wasn't he good should, enough. He should have never lost his job. Yeah. Yeah, he should have never lost his job. That was, you know, I'm tired of these dudes, but yeah, he should have never lost his job. And then um <clears throat> for Milwaukee, I'm not sure where Milwaukee goes from here or Phoenix. I'm not sure where they go from here. I mean, I would imagine that. The Doc Rivers thing, you know, I heard Doc Rivers, you know, that Milwaukee would have interest in him if he became available. I guess it makes sense just from the standpoint of a seasoned coach that's been like, I don't think Milwaukee wants to go with a young dude, a bright young dude, you know, whatever the case may be. It probably, yeah, they they don't have bright young dude players. Right, right. They have to get somebody that's going to win a championship now, you know, so they need a Frank Vogel. They need a Frank Vogel, yeah. And then they need a guy that just come in here, he can coach up some veterans, coach hard defense. And it's like, I, he doesn't have to reinvent the wheel of getting them motivated to play defense. You just got to mm-hmm. teach them this is my defensive style. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know what Phoenix, like where they go from here either. You know, that's, I think that's... Phoenix would be all right because it's, I think it's a nice place. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think. 41 home games where it's going to be warm. At some point, it's going to be just hot. It's going to be very hot in the place you live if you live in Phoenix. But it's going to be warm. Essentially, essentially, if you like anything out west, I mean, you you have quality options. It's a good city, great fan base, great Mm -hmm. sports town. So I think you'll be able to sway people. Like I said, I don't know about Toronto. I don't know if Toronto has that same kind of attractiveness. The people, you know, as because I don't know if, but then you get in double tests too. Because Kawhi went there and got his chip and bounced and went to yeah, plus, California. Plus, plus, you're getting double tax too. You know, you're getting the Canadian tax on top of like on top of know, all the state taxes. Yeah, on top of all the pay. states. Yeah, so like yeah. you know, or I should say, you're getting you know fifty taxed. I don't know, you know, but you're getting taxed. Get your whole check in Bitcoin. Yeah, so you know, but. But, you know, so, yeah, so, you know, um, MVP, you know, like we talked about Joel Embiid winning MVP earlier. And in the NBA, I still don't know what an MVP actually means, you know, because all I heard about was people didn't want Jokic to win it this year because that would put him in the air with Larry Bird and Wilt and all that kind of stuff. So there was like some backroom politics potentially that kept him I believe that. I believe that too, but I think it's stupid. I believe the writers – because, like I said, we talk about this all the time. Because, you know, not to go off on a tangent, but me, you and I had a conversation about the NBA naming mm-hmm. these the awards, awards. Mm-hmm. after former players. And I said this before I believe the writers are recognizing that you have this new media platform that's driving a different narrative. I'm not sure how many writers who are. Guys like Chris Boussard, Rob Parker, who came up writing columns 
mm-hmm. and we're doing journalism and beat writers and traveling with the team. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's a lot of writers who are that, like where they're just writers. They're not, they don't have podcasts. They're not making appearances on shows. They're just pure writers and voters. And I think their purity is, if you've been following basketball for the last 30 or 40 years, you're 60. So say you graduated college, got your first job out of college at 22, 23, working for the New York Times or the Cleveland Gazette or the St. Louis Dispatch or something like that. And you've been working in newspapers since 1985. So you covered Jordan, Malone, Akeem, uh, Kareem, Magic, Larry. You covered all these guys through basketball. And now all of us, you know, we get a, I get a nice laptop with a camera and a microphone throw some money at StreamYard. Now we got a podcast and we're talking about sports and we're not talking about them the same way you love these other sports. So you, you name all your awards after mm-hmm. these former players to kind of keep it relevant. And I think they were looking like, you know what? We can't put Jokic up there with guys like Bird. We can't give them three in a row because Jordan never got three in a row. We can't give him three in a row because even LeBron didn't get three in a row. So it's but like, see, I don't, but see, I don't like that though. Like, like you know what I mean? Just I, I didn't. Like, this is a flaw. No, no, I know, I know. Humans doing it, yeah. But it's just yeah. like I talk. I talk to people all the time that say things like, you know, oh, this person should get in the Hall of Fame because Joe Namath is in, and I'm like, you know, just because something happened 40, 50 years ago doesn't mean that we have to repeat that same mistake just to keep. So, so like, just because somebody felt or people felt that Wilt and Larry Bird deserved these MVPs and you felt that Jordan didn't get these MVPs, I don't think you should punish people down the road on some, well, Jordan never did it, so this person, LeBron never did it, so this person can't do it. Babe Ruth wasn't a unanimous Hall of Famer in the Baseball Hall of Fame, so there's always a writer that leaves off a guy. Like like Jeter, Mariano, I think Mariano Rivera might have been 100. That's like out of all the MVPs, Steph is the only unanimous. And you know what I mean? Like, and that probably wasn't even his best MVP year, you know, but, um, but you know, but we wanted to get into the MVP discussion based off of the NFL, because I'm sick and tired of all these quarterbacks winning the award. And I understand why the quarterbacks are winning the award is because they're the ones. Well, well, just, well, I'm just talking narrative, you know, the way that the media talks about them, they're, they're the guys that's in everybody's faces. We know them. So it's easy to give them an MVP, you know, versus like dudes that are doing other things like Derek Henry, for example, that are that that he is the identity of the Tennessee Titans. You know, like there is no Tennessee Titan without Derek Henry. Now, I'm not going to sit up here and say Patrick Mahomes shouldn't have won MVPs. But I'm sure if we go back down the list in the years, we could find some people or some cases that stood out amongst others. Yeah, there's there's probably a few. Uh, I'm gonna pull up some here that I've done some research with earlier. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so so just for background, you know, of course, um, there have been 18 non-quarterback MVPs in NFL history. There have been two defense defensive players. You know, one the great who I consider the goat football player, Lance Taylor, in 1986, and then Alan Page of the Minnesota Vikings in 1971. But, you know, one year that I was looking at in particular, you know, um, was 2020, Derrick Henry. I brought up Derrick Henry being the identity of the Titans. That was the year he ran for 2,027 yards, which was the fifth, the single season fifth highest total of all time. 
And he led his next competitor by just under 600 yards. You know, that was 2020. So, you know, I thought that Derek MVP that year, but it went to Aaron Rodgers. Guess who got did did Derrick Henry get second place? Uh let's look and see. No, he did not. No, he did that. He did not. Josh Allen got he wasn't so the list that I'm looking at has Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and that's it. So the 2021 season or the 2020 season, 2020, 2021 season. Yes. Okay. Or, so, yeah, 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 yeah. So Aaron Rodgers and then Josh Allen got second place. Uh the 2020 season, you had Aaron Rodgers. You had 48 touchdowns, five interceptions, so he got MVP. Mahomes had 38 touchdowns, six interceptions, and that 700 goes, yards. Got and, that goes, and that goes back to something that we talked about, where <clears throat> for a running, we were saying for a running back to win MVP nowadays, they pretty much have to break a record or they have to go over 2,000 or they have to – and that might not even be enough, but they have to – Well, probably, yeah, Derrick Henry went over 2,000 right, yards and still wasn't Right, so, but, but these quarterbacks aren't being held to that standard. Like when Aaron Rodgers threw 48 touchdowns, I'm not saying that he didn't deserve MVP, but when he threw the 48 touchdowns, I've seen a quarterback throw 48 touchdowns before. Yeah, and he only threw for 4,300 yards, and the guy behind him threw for 4,500. And mm-hmm. then the year before, he had uh, Patrick Mahomes through for 4,700 yards. And then when Aaron won it against, when he beat out Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers had 4,400 yards passing, 37 mm-hmm. touchdowns, four picks, 159 rush yards, two more touchdowns. Tom mm-hmm. Brady had 5,300 yards, 43 touchdowns. Granny had 13 picks, but he had three rushing touchdowns. 68% completion percentage. So he had 900 more yards and call it seven more total touchdowns. Well, well, check this. <clears throat> so that Derrick Henry, you know, 2027 20, was the number. I said he was nearly 600 above his next competitor, which was Dalvin Cook at 1557. But I think what makes it even more damning is the third leading rusher, Jonathan Taylor, was at 1169. So he was basically 900 yards better than the, the third. third yeah. So, so it like, didn't get any consideration for MVP. Right. And, and, but why is that? Like, is it time to create a new award? Like, is, like, is, is this another thing that you were just mentioning where we got these people that were from a different generation or era that are voting on these awards and we just need them to phase out, I guess? We, what we, what you need is, You need, I don't want to say more awards because I know college football. I saw mm-hmm. something that blew my mind last year. <laughs> the Heisman. And- <laughs> the Heisman. So Caleb Williams won the Heisman. Yes. And then he won the award for best college football player, the Maxwell, right? Mm-hmm. That's the, but the Doke Award is the best college quarterback. And that went to Max Dugan. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, how that doesn't make any sense, but yeah, I digress. We'll we'll talk about that. You know, the season comes around. I think they need to do what the NBA did and rename and just give the outstanding player for each position. Mm-hmm. So you can go, you can still go MVP if you want, mm-hmm. and still have that. 
but you have the we'll call it the Joe Montana Award, or you can call it the Johnny Unitas Award, <laughs> however you want to, however, whatever legend you want to highlight. Yeah. Uh, you can call best running back the Jim Brown Award, uh, best wide receiver, you can call it the Jerry Rice Award. I'm the best tight end, you can call it the Kellen Winslow Award. And just offensively across the board. Yeah. And well, just, you know, and give just, one to every position. And, you know, Dick Buckus, best linebacker. Mm-hmm. Dion. Uh, Dion. Yeah. For best defensive back. Just defensive back. That way you can just put, because safety is only a few safeties. Right. Only like 30 dudes can be. So. Right. Um, yeah. And just for a quick cleanup, you know, Dope Campbell is the running back, or Dope Walker is the. Uh, Running back and Davey O'Brien is the quarterback. Davey O'Brien is a quarterback. Yeah. Well, Max Dugan won that, even though the best college football player was a quarterback, and he also won a Heisman, but yet he wasn't the best quarterback. Yeah. So so I saw that Randy Moss got some votes, you know, in a few MVP races. And how can a wide receiver win MVP if the quarterback's throwing him the ball? I mean, Devontae Smith won the Heisman. You just gotta look at it like this. Did this quarterback throw for 5,000 yards because this wide receiver was going to be open for 1,900 of them? Yeah. Like, I know I know the numbers seem so drastic, but Calvin Johnson going for 1,800 yards with Matthew Stafford and then subsequently uh, Cooper Cup doing the same thing, that you have to give consideration because – all the other wide receivers aren't that close. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a two, three hundred. When it's a two or three hundred, four hundred yard gap between the top wide receiver totals and the second and third and fourth guy in a passing league with the holding calls and the legal contacts and the pass interference calls and every and the you know the fact you can't hit them, you can't hit them high coming across the middle. So guys don't hit you low because they don't want to take your knees out. So guys are just grabbing you, mm-hmm. and you and you're just getting you know. I think. It was a game where Patrick Mahomes threw 60 passes. I think Josh Allen threw 60 passes in the game. So they're going bananas with the passing game. Excuse me. So that's going to allow wide receivers to get their points. I think it just has to be – I think the only way a wide receiver can get it <coughs> – excuse me – is going to be with the quarterback that people feel isn't like – an elite quarterback. Like if DK Metcalf goes for 1,800 yards this year with Geno Smith, they'll say Geno Smith's 4,500 yards are because of DK Metcalf. Mm -hmm. But if Garrett Wilson goes for 1,400 yards this year, they're going to say he got 1,400 yards because of Aaron Rodgers. Right. So I think that's the narrative. Like you have to be – you're gonna have to be one of these middle of the pack quarterbacks. That's why I thought Justin Jefferson had a shot. I knew he, I knew he wasn't gonna win mm-hmm. because Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs look like they're gonna win the Super Bowl when he's rolling. So for three or four months of this season, you know, or like you know, six, six, eight weeks in the middle, they look like a Super Bowl contender, and he's playing the best football. Whereas Minnesota, for the whole year, looked like they were overachieving. So if he would have broke the record, if he would have gone for like, if he would have had a game where he went for 275 yards towards the end of the season, maybe he sways a few votes. 
Like and see, and I thought initially last year, I thought Tyreek Hill had a shot. You know, after I never the first thought he had a one. shot. I thought he did after the first four or five games. You know, because he was out there pinballing and everything. But I just, I just think that the award is just made for the gaudy numbers, and the quarterbacks are always going to have the gaudy numbers based off of <clears throat> the culture of the game nowadays. It's like they don't. It's it's. It feels as if because the argument is always. What would this team be without this quarterback? I'm like, that's the argument for every every sports team if their best player is there, then they're probably gonna lose some games. Like yeah, like what, what would the what would what would the Texans have been without DeAndre Hopkins? Exactly. It's like you're you're gonna you're not gonna look that good if you don't have your most talented players on the field. So I think that's just a lazy argument. They will quarterback's the most important position in sports okay that's all well and good but in college the next level down wide receivers win the heisman all the time because there's a recognition that mac jones wasn't more of an asset to alabama than Devontae smith hmm. even hmm. though he was throwing the ball Devontae smith is like he's throwing the ball to a guy who's literally getting wide open every play Mm-hmm. That's how he won the Heisman, and it happened. You know, you have other players win the Heisman, defensive players win the Heisman. A lot of times, quarterback win that award as well. But then you have other awards for wide receivers, so they do get big end of the year. Yeah, awards. like I thought, I thought Indomitian Sue should have won the Heisman. You know, for how dominant he was in that particular season. You and, know, and that's but, the thing. But it, but in college football, even though they 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 weren't very progressive with you know, paying players and transfer portals. They were always progressive with the awards. I don't know if it was because they had so many teams and so many players, but even the Heisman's kind of watered down now. Like the last year was probably like one of the worst ones I've seen recently where <laughs> it just was like, they didn't even try it. It was like, yeah, we're just going to throw some people out there because we know Caleb Williams is going to win it. Yeah, um, I'm glad they, they went away from the undefeated team thing because i remember that was for a while and then uh well that's that was a question i was going to ask you like so like i know in the nba um a lot of times when you hear people talk about mvp they say things like so like russell westbrook was the outlier where i believe okc was a six seed he he did the triple double thing got the mvp and it was like well he only got the mvp because of the triple double but usually like you don't see mvps below the third seed or just whatever arbitrary number you want to throw out there. So do you think that in the NFL, like, do you think that outside of just being a quarterback, do you think the team's, the team's record matters as well? The team, I think the team record matters. Hence why Aaron Rodgers got it over Tom Brady that year. Um, even though Tom Brady had 900 yards. I think he also had like probably a couple hundred more passing attempts, maybe like a hundred more passing attempts. I'm like, that's something crazy. But I do think the team record factors in. I think who's on your team factors in. Justin Jefferson probably had a really, really good shot because Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins is quarterback. So I don't think people have a lot of faith in him. Mm-hmm. The players are are going to win the MVP. Is a very select. You're you're starting with the quarterbacks off the rip, and we talked about the odds that right now. Jordan Love has better odds to win the MVP than every 
other skill position player in the league. So better than every wide receiver, better than every defensive player, <laughs> Christian better McCaffrey. than every running back. So Jordan Love at plus 3,000 betting odds are they're better than every other skill position in the NFL. Derek Carr he hasn't taken a snap. Derek Carr is at plus 5,000. Uh, Justin Fields at plus 2,500. So, and I think some of these other rookies, I didn't get that far down the list, but I just stopped at that chunk because it's like Jordan Love hasn't taken a snap, but yet he has better odds win MVP than Christian McCaffrey than Aaron Donald. Yeah, who the Michael 49ers are going to be really reliant on. So it's like, and it's substantial. I think their odds are like plus 8,000. Uh, Drake London is wide receiver for Atlanta. And this is where we have this conversation because we saw a post where someone bet 300 bucks on him and if they win they're going to win like three hundred thousand dollars or something like that but he's a wide receiver so likely hit him with the mvp is that's why the odds are that way but jordan loves odds shouldn't be anywhere near plus three thousand <laughs> and plus three thousand basically means you bet a hundred dollars on him you'll win three thousand dollars yeah if jordan that, love has that plus worth. Yeah, if Jordan Love has that type of year, I'll vote for Christian Watson for MVP. <laughs> and I think the the reason that he they, they have that is because it would be such a surprise mm -hmm. that he gets that. But that's the situation where if you had a veteran wide receiver on the team, he would get nods. Like I said, the Geno Smith. You know what I should do? Guy. I should go throw $500 on Trey Lance. I mean, it, I mean, it would be the craziest thing I heard this week, even though it's only Monday. Uh, but yeah, but that, but that's what it is. So they can argue, and, and like I said, the argument is always really lazy. It's like, oh, you take, you take Lamar Jackson off the Baltimore Ravens. What do you have? That's why he's MVP. It's like, well, that argument is for every single team starting quarterback. That's why he is the starting quarterback. If you take the center out, you're gonna have problems. Atlanta beat San Francisco last season because Bosa was out. I think Fred Warner was probably like their only top all-pro middle like linebacker that played. I think everybody else was out. I think maybe a couple of people in the secondary was also out. So you look at the schedule, like, oh, Atlanta beat San Francisco by two touchdowns? Yeah, they were missing four or five key people on their defensive front, and Atlanta run, runs the ball 40 times a game. So, yeah, if you take some of the best players off of the field and say, hey, go – Go yeah, give like me give me Saquon team. Barkley and tell Danny Dimes to go beat Philly or something. Yeah, so it's like you you need all these pieces, but even Daniel Jones, these all of these quarterbacks have a better odds of winning the MVP than Saquon Barkley. Derek Carr, take better than Saquon Barkley as far as odds. Justin Fields, Deshaun Watson, and that terrible Cleveland team. He's still plus twenty five hundred. Like they ain't got Nick Chubb or something. Which he's not even on. The, he should be plus twenty five hundred, and that's what I'm saying. So even the odds makers don't aren't. I think they're realistic because they know how the voting goes. But realistic, if you look at it, if you really think to yourself, like, okay, who's going to be more valuable to their team this year, Jordan Love or Nick Chubb? So, so if the Raiders, so if the Raiders go twelve and five. And Josh Jacobs runs for 1,800 yards. No MVP. Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo has better odds than Josh Jacobs. It doesn't make His sense. Like plus 4,000. It doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Hey, and, and, preach so, it to so, the pulpit. So, so this is why, like, you know, for me, 
it gets nauseating, you know, to watch these awards and, you know, to talk about these things because, like, a lot of people just gravitate to that, the quarterback, the quarterback, the quarterback. And, you know, so, like, looking at somebody like, say, Justin Herbert, for example, you know, who throws more passes than anybody. You know, he threw more he threw more passes than prime Peyton Manning. You know what I mean? And he ain't no MVP candidate. But he is. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I mean, yeah. the way the season plays out, he ain't no MVP yeah. candidate. Like, like, okay, this is this is what I sent you the other day. So I I scrolled to like the middle part of it. So you had your guys at the top, you had your Josh Allen, your Justin Herbert, your Joe Burrows, Patrick Mahomes. I think Aaron Rodgers is mixing the top of the plus 200, plus 500. Like, where basically you you bet $100, you, you win the 500, you know? Mm-hmm. So those are those are your easy – those are your, your 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 highly rated guys. So I started – when I scrolled and you should shot you the screenshot, I started with Jalen Hurts because he mm-hmm. just quarterbacked his team in the Super Bowl down to Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. These are all the guys that are close to Jalen Hurts. Like, keep in mind, Jalen Hurts just went to a Super Bowl in February. It's only May. So you got Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson just signed his contract, Aaron Rodgers, Trevor Lawrence, Dakota Prescott, Tua. They are all – so Jalen Hurts at plus 1,200. Then you got Lamar at plus 15. A.A. Ron, Trevor, Dakota, and Tua all plus 1,600. So Tua has the same MVP odds as Aaron Rodgers, who has four MVPs. So makes sense of that. Then you got Justin Fields, who had the second lowest total passing yards. He had a game of like ninety or seventy yards passing against the line, like hundred and sixty yards rushing or something crazy <laughs> like that. So he's ahead of Deshaun Watson. Jared Goff is behind uh, Justin Fields. Jordan Love is ahead of Geno Smith. And Russell Wilson and Derek Carr. Russell Wilson had a terrible year last year, but yet he is still rated above every other skill. This all quarterbacks. Well, you know, as I go down this, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. I got fourteen here, and that's like the middle chunk. You know, I've said this. I've said this every year for a couple of years now, but it just hits different when I look at it. And see that the last non-quarterback to win MVP was in 2012. That's Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson won it in 2012. They tore his his knee was completely shot. He had yeah. surgery New Year's Day. And then and then you go um, eight years or seven years before that, and then you had Sean Alexander and Ladanian Tomlinson win back to back. You know, then you fall off another. Five years, and then you got Marshall Falk, and then you get some Terrell Davis, Barry Sanders, and then it goes all quarterback down to Emmett Smith and Thurman Thomas. So, you know, like as you look at this, and I'm not trying to throw shade or anything, but I'm like looking at this and I'm like, I got to go back and look at the numbers because I'm like, Boomer Esiason, you know, <laughs> I got to go back and look at these numbers, you know what I mean? Um, but you know, you know, so like as I'm looking at this, like I said, there were two defensive players, Lance Taylor and Alan Page. There's a kicker you know, from Washington, you know, back in 1982. And then you got Earl Campbell, Walter Payton, OJ. And then it's just pretty much quarterback all the way down to Jim Brown. Yo. So I so. thought this was a new thing. Like, like as we were talking, I thought this was a newer thing as 
the league has opened up more. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees came along. I thought that was a more recent thing, but apparently it's always been like this. Yeah, this and the thing that makes it even more ridiculous is that I pulled it back up. Um, Brock Purdy, who's injured, probably ain't even gonna play this year. Is plus four thousand. Sam Howell is plus seventy five hundred. The Washington Hail. Salute the Commanders. Ryan Tannehill is plus ten thousand. And Kyler Murray, who's not gonna play this year, <laughs> he's not gonna play, and yeah. his odds are better than Derrick Henry. Yeah. So you got me wanting to look up plus fifteen thousand for Derrick Henry. So that means you bet a hundred dollars that Derrick Henry wins MVP, you'll win fifteen thousand dollars. And his odds of winning per the 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 bet makers are worse. <laughs> I mean, hey. like, come on. C.J. Stroud <laughs> and Bryce Young have better odds than Cooper Cup and Tyreek Hill. Yo. So, than Debo. So. Christian McCaffrey's plus 20,000. I'm screaming in my house right now. It's late. I know people are trying to sleep. It's plus 20,000. All right, so look, bro. So, so as you were saying that, it made me think. So I'm looking at the sportsillustrated.com, si.com's Heisman Trophy odds for this upcoming season. Before I get to the first running back or any position other than quarterback, there were 16 quarterbacks. So they got 20 people on this list. The first 16 are quarterbacks. You got the running back from Michigan, Donovan Edwards, Nick Singleton from Penn State. Then you go quarterback, quarterback, Marvin Harrison Jr. to finish it off. So so like you got your regular names that you expect, Caleb Williams, Drake May, you know, Quinn Ewers, um, and then you got Joe Milton for Tennessee, who was the backup last year, even though he was there before Hendon Hooker. You know, you got Drew Aller from Penn State, who is starting his first time this year. Ty Simpson from Alabama, who wasn't even the backup last year. You know, you got, you know, like it just doesn't make sense. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, all it's a sickness. Three, all three San Francisco. 49 quarterbacks. Including plus Sam 4, Darnold. Plus 4,000 for, for Brock Purdy. Plus 5,000 for Trey Lance. And plus 10,000 for Sam Darnold. But the first 28 people are quarterbacks. To Hold include, up. Wait, 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 wait. Is Carson Wentz on that list? <laughs> let's see. Because <laughs> I heard that some teams are interested in him and he's willing to be a backup. Plus 30,000. He's only ahead of George Kittle. <laughs> He's not on the team. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, think about Zach Wilson's plus 20,000. He's ahead of, well, everybody has plus 20,000. Aiden Hutchinson, B. John Robinson, the running back for Atlanta's plus 20. So think about, I don't know if anybody's ever been to a casino town, Vegas, Reno, Atlantic City. They're all about keeping their money. Now, I told you how it works. So for a $100 bet, if you bet $100 that B. John Robinson wins the NFL MVP, you're going to win $20,000. And anyone can make this bet. Anyone watching Anybody. football. Anybody. Uh, Hell, Christian even the NFL Patrick, players making them. 
Christian McCaffrey, a hundred bucks wins you twenty thousand dollars. We all know that Christian McCaffrey is one of the top running backs in the league, and Vegas is like, yeah, we're not worried about losing that twenty thousand dollars. We'll take your hundred because we are that sure. Because they don't make they don't make these odds unless they're sure that it will not happen. You know, it's, some, a simple, it's an easy bet. That's a good player. If you're talking about San Francisco, there's some years that Debo Samuel should be an MVP candidate. <laughs> plus fifteen thousand. Plus, like that's what I'm saying. Like these, it's not like it's not like I'm betting on, like for instance, me betting on the rookie on my team or betting on Kyle Pitts is probably like plus fifty thousand, something crazy, plus thirty thousand at least. Okay, that's a stretch. That is my, my – I'm a Falcons fan. It's a young team. That's a stretch. Mm-hmm. But if you are a 49ers fan, you're like, hold on. I can bet a, I can bet $10. $10 wins you $2,000. $10 is Starbucks. That's one coffee and a muffin. You're like, you know what? I'm not going to get a muffin a day. I'm going to put 10 bucks on Christian McCaffrey and win $2,000. That's not – like that. that's the part that doesn't make any sense is like – but they know historically that they don't even get Anthony Richardson's odds are higher than, or he's right behind Jamar Chase at plus 15,000. Jamar Chase setting rookie records, setting wide receiver league records, beating out Randy Moss for like, but this dude that just came out of Florida, who's going to be the starting quarterback in Indianapolis, has the same odds of winning the All top right. award. So, so last one, last one. What's the comparison between Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson? Like that's it's what fun. I would like to see. Like, like, like how far their odds or their the odds off from each other. Okay, let me pull it back up. Like, uh, like you know, <laughs> I think I think uh, Justin Jefferson was like plus ten thousand, and Kirk mm-hmm. Cousins was so like plus eight, something like that. But here we go. I got to pull it back up. So you got Justin Jefferson at. Oh, Kirk Cousins is plus five thousand. Mm-hmm. So, and Justin Jefferson is plus ten thousand. No, that's not as bad as I thought. You know, going off just the the context of the conversation. Yeah, but you know, that's just wild, man. <laughs> like you yeah. know, I know like, that sounded like a get off my chest, but it's just like that's the whole point. I'm like, yo, just just revamp the whole award structure. I mean, they make a spectacle of it anyway. They treat it like the Emmys. They treat it like the Golden Globes. They dress like it's the Oscars. Well, I always so tell like people. Just, just expand it all the way out. So so I don't know how the NFL works in comparison to the NBA, but I always tell people, like, like if you're an MVP voter for the NBA, and obviously I'm not, but if you are, and in most years, if the person that you thought was the favorite at the beginning of the season – is the person that you voted for, then you're probably not doing your job right. You yeah. know what I mean? So if you came into this year saying Jokic is my MVP and you still voted for Jokic, then there wasn't anything Embiid was going to do. You had your mind made up. Narratives were out there, you know. So that's why I hate the NBA MVP. But I don't think the NFL, like, I don't think you come into a season like Aaron Rodgers is going to be the MVP. Like, I don't, I think people talk about it like, who's your MVP? But I don't think it's like, concrete like this is my mvp and then at the end of the year like i think they know it's going to be a quarterback and they just and, just start and, guessing and, and they just start and they just start gaming <laughs> after three weeks after somebody has nine touchdowns or one interception after a couple of games that's their my dark horse mvp and then if they keep it up 
then it's my MVP. But if you do something like Jalen Hurts, where he got took a shot in the back and took a couple of games off, and it was mm-hmm. like, oh, now Patrick Mahomes MVP. I'm like, well, I don't think Patrick Mahomes ever was not the MVP. Right. Like for in that in that in that middle prime part. Yeah, fatigue is definitely a thing. You know what I mean? Like I think I think that's definitely a thing. But but like to me, I and and I guess I'm just you know obviously I'm not a voter. Like I said, that doesn't exist to me. You know, like there's a and the MVP doesn't even necessarily have to be the best player. You know what I mean? It just has to be the dude that I guess contributed the most. Like obviously, like in basketball, you could say this person scored 31 points a game. He contributed the most, you know, but we talked about Jokic where, you know, 24, 11 and 10 or whatever it was, you know, like, so he's still giving you the same production. You're just getting cute off of the points per game number. So in the NFL, like, you know, if I'm looking at two quarterbacks, if I'm looking at say Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes has 4,500 yards, 41 touchdowns and six interceptions, but then Jalen Hurts has, 3,600 pass yards, you know, um, 27 touchdowns and nine interceptions. But then he also has an additional 800 rushing yards and six rushing touchdowns. You can have a conversation. You know, yeah. And I I remember the conversation last year with Nick Wright. His his conversation was he would just, he went uh, position, like position packages. So it was like, okay, who has the better wide receiver core? Who has the better running back core? Who has a better offensive line? Who has a better defense? And everything else, everything was everything Philly. pointed to Philly, yeah. Everything pointed <laughs> to Philly, and it was like, what quarterback has better numbers? And it was like Mahomes. He was like, that's why he's the MVP because. But that's that's the conversation. That's not like that doesn't have to be the standard every year. But right. when you have elevated those two guys to that point. But in the year when Derrick Henry was a viable candidate, and even last year with Justin Jefferson, it's like, okay, what does what Kirk Cousins' numbers look like when he throws to everybody else versus when he throws? Yeah, let know, me see that completion percentage. You yeah. know, if this completion percentage is sixty-two percent to these guys, but it's seventy-one when he throws to Jefferson, or when Justin Jefferson's in single coverage and this guy's in single coverage. How often does he go to Justin Jefferson and how many times does he come down with the pass or whatever the case, case may be? So like those numbers, but those numbers don't, those numbers aren't easy to understand to show Justin, because you need, you need those numbers to explain Justin Jefferson's value to Kirk Cousins, but, but, where Kirk Cousins can just simply have the end result numbers, the touchdowns, the yards, the completion percentage, and you don't have to go any deeper than that. But that's why, that's why I like, I hate listening to MVP voters talk because regardless of the sport, because each year is its own story, you know? So like, like I, I heard somebody talking about, um, you know, um, Jokic, Jokic won these two MVPs back to back and he never got to the finals, you know? So therefore like all these people in history who have won MVPs got to the finals. So therefore why should I vote for Jokic again? If he doesn't go to the, because if he's the best player or whatever, it's a regular season award. It has yeah, nothing so, to do with last playoffs. Yeah, it's just, it just, uh, yeah, like you said, this whole thing could be a get it off my chest, but you know, but yeah. we go on stage to the script, you know, get it off my chest. You know, I guess I'll go first because mine is pretty short and to the point. So, National Basketball Association, do not Kaepernick me. 
You know, don't come up with these whole like, oh, we're going to set up this workout and we're going to have them come out, but we're going to choose the receivers and all that stuff. And if he doesn't play ball, he's out of here. Mark Jackson should have been had a job by now. You know, regardless of how you feel about his personal life, regardless about how you feel about his opinions, the proof is in the pudding. What he did with Golden State, and I'm not saying Steve Kerr didn't take it to another level, but somebody had to lay the foundation for Steve Kerr to build on, and that was Mark Jackson. So if what he did was with Golden State, because if you remember, everybody thought he was crazy because he was the first person that came out and said, I got the two best shooters in the world. That was Mark Jackson that said that. Mark Jackson was the one that took David Lee out and put Draymond in. So, you know, so from that standpoint, don't tell me you can talk about X's and O's. You don't think that he draws up the best plays and all this kind of stuff. But the Warriors empire started from his bricks. So the Milwaukee Bucks are allegedly, supposedly going to interview Mark Jackson. They say he was a finalist for Sacramento last year. I'm not saying, obviously, Mike Brown won Coach of the Year, so I'm not going to say that Mark Jackson should have got the job over Mike Brown. But as we are this year, you know, sitting here right now, if Doc Rivers does get fired and end up in Milwaukee, don't tell me that Mark Jackson was ever a real candidate. You know, so if you're not going to hire him, don't interview him. If you're not going to play the game fair, don't interview him. If you're not going to recognize what he did, and look back at the coaches that you're hiring that either are assistants that have no head coaching experience or that are retread head coaches that have been through. I mean, how many jobs Mike D'Antoni done had? You know, and I don't see Mike D'Antoni making any finals. You know, so NBA, Milwaukee Bucks, shit will get off the pot. Do the right thing. That's what I wanted to get off my chest. Okay, okay, okay. We'll stick with the NBA as part of it, but the core is going to be a little bit more uh, directed um, just in a general sense. Uh, we've all probably seen the the screenshot of John Morant with the, with the handgun. And I, I had a conversation earlier with my son. And I talk about him a lot. You know, he's my, my, my youngest son. He plays a lot of sports. I'm always there, a lot of his games. Um, and something I told him, I was like, son, he was like goofing around after his lacrosse game today. And I was like, you gotta, you gotta stop doing the extra stuff. Some people just have this innate ability to attract people. I, I like you're a lightning rod of attention and it's not a negative thing, but you have to understand you don't have to do the extra stuff. You're already going to get attention. Right now, he's 14. He's probably six feet tall, big curly hair, big personality, handsome kid, smart kid, class president, honor roll student, athlete, personable, intelligent. Like you have all these things going on. You don't have to do the extra stuff. You don't have to talk all the trash. You don't have to be the loudest one. If you're giving directives, yeah, that's fine. But because people focus on you because everyone is attracted to those kind of people. Some people just have it. It's the it factor that they talk about. John Morant, you're one of those guys. You have the it factor. You already have it. You're young. You're talented. You're explosive. Your highlight reel is crazy. I think people like your, your pops. I think people like the tattoos. Your people like your shoes. People like how you're a man of the people because you're always at like, he's at like the high school events and things like that. It's like you're already attracting the attention you need. 
don't do the extra stuff and get the unwarranted attention that might not come through in the proper context. Like I said, I, I compared it to my son. I was like, listen, everybody sees you. You wear 11 for every team you're on. Basketball, football, lacrosse. You're one of a few black kids on most of your teams in the area we live in. You got a big black dad that comes and sits on the sideline all the time. I'm like, you have your your teammates, little brothers say, that's Josiah's dad when I walk to the field. Like, that's how much people watch you. The principal loves you. Like, the teachers talk about you. But in the same sense, if you get a bunch of people who sit around you and they're laughing and joking, the teacher's going to hone in on you because you're attracting attention. Ja, when you're out with these friends, you already attract the attention. You don't have to do the extra stuff. You can just be Ja. You can go out there, get your gritty on. You have your daughter with you. Now, imagine you riding around in this car. People see the blue seats, and now you're hanging out in Tennessee. And someone's like, okay, let's next time they go on live, let's find out where they at. We know we got at least one handgun, so we're going to run up on them. We need something bigger than a handgun that he showed in the video. So now you're getting approached by people with nefarious intentions because you're attracting this attention unnecessarily because you're already a lightning rod for attention. You're already going to get the people focusing on you. You don't want people to focus on the, the negative parts. What he did, if he's riding around in Tennessee, they love the Second Amendment. I'm pretty sure it was legal. But was it necessary? Was it necessary to be listening to a hip-hop track and pull your gun out in the part of the song where they're talking about shooting people? Like, that's what I mean. Like, it wasn't – you could have just done the finger thing, and people could have been like, oh, he put his finger up. He listened to a song. But when you pull the actual gun out, broad daylight, on top of the fact you ride with no seatbelt on, and a white t-shirt. I mean, you want to get pulled over? So you I mean, do you do you want to get pulled over by the police flashing the gun, no seatbelt on a white t-shirt, all this jewelry on? I'm pretty sure it's a flashy car. I saw the blue seats. You don't put you don't put royal blue seats in the civic. <laughs> so I just think about that. Think about like, is it necessary for you to do, go over the top to attract attention when you're already a lightning rod? You won't catch Oprah twerking. <laughs> you won't see Obama posting a picture of him smoking a joint on his Instagram. He already attracts attention. Michelle Obama can walk into a room, command attention. Certain people just have it. And he has to recognize, like, yo, dog, you have it. Nike didn't give you this deal because you could play basketball. 400 dudes can play basketball. But if, you, if you're going to be a polarizing character, you have to understand that's not just a character. That's, that's kind of dismissive. You're going to be a polarizing person, and you are, and you're a person that attracts people. You have to understand that you can diffuse your situations and not attract the negative attention. So just be smart. Like I said, I don't know what the league can do. I don't know what the legalities are. I don't know what the contract situation is. I don't know if the, if the NBA, PA is any good. But don't put yourself in a position of where because you're polarizing and you attract in this lightning rod that you end up just shocking everybody around you to the point where it's detrimental. So. Boom. Job a rat. More job rule than job rule. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Don't be a menace in South Memphis while drinking your juice in the hood. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's like you don't you don't need to be a mean when you a star. I know, like Nike probably scratching their heads, like we got rid of Kyrie for this. And and you know, and I just want to do this thing real quick. I gotta say this real quick. You know, all these people have been making me real mad, you know, and, and most of them, you know, you know, 
come from my community and everything. But they're doing the whole like, oh, he's got a gun, so what? Oh, he's got a gun, so what? Yeah, what's going to happen if he gets shot or shoots somebody? You know, like this is why the league has to step in. I'm not saying suspend him for the season or anything crazy like that, but the league has to do something because one thing that I've learned a long time ago is if you affect people's time and their money, they usually come around and get their shit together. So, you know what I mean? So, like, if the league has to step in and that potentially saved a, save a life or his life, then it was all worth it. But, I mean, real talk, though, I ain't never really seen the NRA come out and defend us, though. But, you know. Oh, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Like, yeah. niggas, people talk all they want. They, it, it's rare. It's, I, I, I personally, I don't know if the algorithm just isn't, to where I get those kind of messages in yeah. my social media, but I've rarely seen the president of the NRA, you know, bring out unless it's one of these like these sheriffs and like I know it's like a sheriff from like Minnesota where it's a big cowboy hat. He's very pro. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's from Milwaukee. I think he's yeah, from something like that. Yeah. And and yeah. they tend to you know have have him come out to events, but it's rare to think yeah. that the NRA comes out. I mean, it's weird. It's weird. I'll leave it at that. Just saying. But folks, sports reports as ordered. Like, review, subscribe, share. It's free. And y'all, y'all NRA supporters out there, drop me a link. You know, let, let me see it. Let me see it. So, yo, I'm 2-5. He's Mr. Logical. See you on Thursday. Holla. Peace.